future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. It is Monday, December 5th, 2022. Welcome to Raging Chickens out to Coop Live. Yes, we are back after a round of flu, a round of holidays, a round of insane work schedules. We are back. Yes, this is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. On Out to Coop Live, we talk to progressives, activists, and troublemakers of all sorts, right from our own backyards across the country. You can join us also at the end of the week for our Friday Politics Roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. And you can also check out our once or twice, twice monthly The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril, of course, is the editor-in-chief at the Bucks County Beacon, and he joins me every once in a while to drill down into Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and international politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also, uh, you know, got to shout out the welcome to our new Mastodon community. Yes, as part of the great Twitter exodus, Raging Chicken is now also on Mastodon. You can find find us on Mastodon at, at rcpress at union.place. That's at rcpress at union.place. And you can support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. And look, if you're listening to this as a podcast, make sure you hit that five-star review. Let everybody know kind of why you like the show. That helps other people find the show. Now, if you're looking for more PA-based progressive talk, tune in to the Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. every night. YouTube channel, Twitter, wherever you get your streams. If you want all the information about all his shows, head on over to the ricksmithshow.com for the latest across all his platforms. And you've got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. Yes, the amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast. Rock the house. And they know where the bodies are buried. Make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And subscribe to their podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For all you gamers out there, check out The Game In. The Game In with two N's. The Game In is a Quakertown-based, black family-owned gaming store. They're friends of the show, and they've got everything from retro N64s to latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops, walls of Funko Pops. <laughs> and look, kids get discounts when they get A's of the report card. Can't beat that. Check them out on their Facebook page. Follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In. If you got a question about a game, look for something hard to get, shoot them a message and shoot them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out goes out to Jonathan Mann, as always, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at at Man. That's with two N's, at Man on Twitter. And you know it, we can't let Paul Martino and his oligarch friends buy our schools and push extremist politics in our community. Raging Chicken has teamed up with Levelfield to launch a truly community-rooted pack to invest in organizing, supporting local and statewide progressive candidates, and unmasking the toxic organizations injecting our communities with right-wing extremism. 
We're putting small dollar donations to work to beat back the power of big money. And look, school board elections are coming up in 2023, so we are in full go mode now. Head on over to ragingchicken.levelfield.net where you get all the information you want to know and where you can drop your donation. Now tonight, I'm very, very pleased uh, the, uh, to be, one, to be back here once again, two, to be doing this show tonight um, on the eve of the Georgia runoff election, right? And three, to be welcoming, of course, Raylan Roberson to the show. Raylan, did I get that? Is it Roberson? Did I get that? I forgot to ask you that before. Yeah, no, totally. You got it right. Roberson, because I must say, it's okay. Roberson Robinson, just want to make sure. Okay, Roberson, my bad, my bad. Okay. No, I will say there's like a family feud. Um, there are the Robersons and there's the Robinson. And you do like argue about which one's right. I'm on team Roberson. So okay, well, I'm glad. Well, I'm on your team. How's that? <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, Raylan is the field coordinator for stopping cyber suppression at Common Cause. Now, here we are, as I was saying, on the eve of the Georgia Senate runoff, and we'll be talking about the challenge of mis- and disinformation that has been infecting the U.S. and global elections, for that matter. Now, Raylan and her team work to fight back against the spread of online election disinformation and hold social media platforms accountable for their role in the spread of election lies. Raylan provides trainings and encourages anyone and everyone to stop cyber suppression. During monitoring shifts, she leads volunteers in recognizing, searching for, and reporting bad actors who threaten democracy by spreading election lies. And if you want to read more about Raylan and Common Cause's work, you can check out Jenny Stevenson's excellent article in the Bucks County Beacon, Social Disinformation is a Threat to Democracy, and You Can Help Fight It. All the links for that and all the ways that you can get in touch with Raylan and Common Cause is in tonight's show notes. Welcome to the show, Raylan. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm actually thrilled. You know, uh, when uh, when Jenny Stevens published her article, and I told you this before the show, when she first published her article, she was like, you know, uh, you definitely got to get her on the show. Um, the work that they're doing over there, a common cause uh, with the social media monitoring is just just stellar. So I'm so pleased you could join us tonight. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you so much again to Jenny for writing that article. It's always um, amazing as a trainer to have um, such a rave review of what you're doing, like actually published in the news. So um, thank you so much for that, Jenny. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the things I got to say about, you know, um, the the downside or the I guess the upside, if you will, of all the, uh, the the craziness that has been happening here in Bucks County has been that we've have a growing and burgeoning kind of independent and kind of progressive media place. It was actually kind of giving voice to the organizers on the ground that are doing the hard work of social movement building and making sure that our democracy is protected. And so, you know, kudos and Jenny has been, you know, doggedly following uh, folks that are doing this kind of work. So this is awesome. So, you know, before we kind of jump into kind of uh, what you do in this work and so on, uh, I want to step back a little bit. So for folks, um, you know, who may not be familiar with Common Cause, the work you're doing, give us a little kind of introduction to how did you get kind of involved in this work and kind of interested in it and a little bit about what Common Cause is doing and what your team and specifically is focused on. Totally. So I'll just start about why I got involved with this. So um, I'm 22, by the way. So I'm Gen Z and I came of age like during the height of like the Trump presidency and like, you know, all the foolishness in general that was happening in 2016 and 2020. 
And it really um, inspired me to go to um, university, St. Edwards University, and get my degree in political science. And when I tell you the defining moment was when I got to my um, political theory class and they told me that we don't live in a democracy, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> that like really flipped everything on its head for me. And so I got into learning about um, why we don't live in a democracy, the voter suppression, just the um, historic struggle in general to get rights for all. And then it led me to learning more about the ways that we just still don't have these rights today. These people who are still trying to roll back the rights that we do have and uh, preventing the progression of um, access to voting rights for all, as well as rights for all in all sorts of different things like healthcare and um, environmental justice and all these other key issues that um, I care very deeply about. So um, I actually got involved with um, an organization called Made to Save who did um, vaccine outreach. So making sure that people had the facts about the COVID-19 vaccines and that was when I actually saw firsthand the coordinated efforts to spread lies about the vaccines and target them to specific communities and telling them that, um, oh, you shouldn't get this vaccine because of this, that, and the other, all of them lies. And specifically one that stuck with me is um, targeting the black community um, to make them not get vaccinated by bringing up the um, Tuskegee experiment where they were experimenting on all of these black people and infecting them. So um, just really pulling in on actual generational trauma that impacts yeah, the black right. community and weaponizing it in a way to where it will cause more harm. Um, yeah, absolutely made me rabid. And so um, of course, as soon as I learned that an opportunity like this, that has to do with voting rights and elections, um, came up, I was on it. I care very deeply about making sure that people have the right information and that we're fighting back against people who would like to weaponize and correct information. But um, yeah, so that's what led me here. Enough about me, though. I want to talk about Common <laughs> Cause as well. Um, but Common Cause, we are a nonpartisan and nonprofit organization. So um, we have been around since 1970, and our organization is both grass tops and grassroots. So what I mean by that is we have litigators on the Hill fighting these voting rights cases. And um, grassroots, we have monitors, volunteers, just everyday people plugging in where they can to fight and support democracy where they can. Um, so that's what we do. And at the Stopping Cyber Suppression program that I am in, um, I'm the field coordinator, which means that I basically take up, I recruit and I train our monitors. I teach them how to recognize online mis and disinformation. I teach them how to respond to it. I teach them how to actually search and find it. And um, I think a really big misconception that people um, get about this work is like, oh, you have to be so technologically skilled to do this. When no, I, most of my monitors are really like in their 80s, 70s, like they're older. And that's crazy. Yeah, I, no, I read that. I was like, that's awesome. They got like a 90 year old. That's yeah, we have 90 year olds out here, like grandma for justice, for real, <laughs> like searching social media, pointing out these bad actors, reporting them, getting their content removed and um, on the flip side of that connecting these voters to support and making sure that they have their questions answered if they're confused about voting and um, 
on in all of that in our Stopping Cyber Suppression program, we're partnered with the Bigger Election Protection Coalition, which is like this coalition of all of these other nonprofits who also care about making sure that voters are protected. So um, we do that in tandem with all these other great organizations. But I do want to give a special shout out to the Civic Listening Corps, who is another monitoring program, who is like our parent program. So shout out to all of you. They have a shift right now. So if you're listening right now, um, thank you for everything you're doing and happy monitoring, but also a major shout out to our volunteer captains who are making all this possible. So my program really hinges on empowering people to do this work themselves. So we have amazing volunteers who have stepped up and said, I want to take on more. I want to lead shifts. I want to actually lead this effort. So they're running shifts by themselves right now, um, monitoring upcoming this runoff election. So shout out to my captains and shout out to all of my volunteers. Well, that's amazing. I, you know, and I'm thinking about how critical this work is right now. And I, you know, just the brief kind of historical kind of kind of echoes, if you will, um, that you've already mentioned about what we saw during COVID and, you know, the targeting of, say, the most vulnerable communities that we saw. I have, uh, you know, I teach at, at Kutztown University, too, as well. And I had a student that was uh, that had just done this research and like targeting in particular um, Asian, particular Vietnamese communities um, for with all sorts of misinformation during COVID and how that got folded into um, kind of this election suppression stuff, right, um, with disinformation and misinformation, too, as well. And to know that there's, you know, we see seem to have these cycles that kind of run through where, um, you know, they just get, I don't know, they get jet fueled, if you will, uh, through social media, whereas uh, because everything is moving so quickly. Um, so the work that you're doing, I think, is just absolutely critical. And, you know, we had uh, I don't know if you know Sarah Anayano at all. She is um, she uh, was a graduate student uh, and got interested in this as a volunteer um, tracking some of these conspiracy things. And it's amazing to see how many volunteers people just basically started noticing something was weird. There was these conversations that they were hearing that suddenly members of their family or friends were talking about these wacko kind of like conspiracy theories, but we're believing them and leading them to kind of explore this further. And it seems like there's a lot of folks that have stories similar to yours about kind of coming up, being confronted with seeing it happen. And then asking that question is how do I go about um, and kind of one, not just recognizing it, but then doing something about it, which is, I think is the kind of cool move. So what is, what is it actually, what is it actually mean to have a program that does this like let's get into just some of the nuts and bolts we just have these volunteers and like you know like what are they looking for how do you organize it once they are once they flag this stuff what do they do with it um take us into like the day-to-day -day a little bit about what this work actually looks like yeah totally so i want to say when i went about creating this program the number one thing i wanted to do was make sure that it was accessible so um, not only do we have accessible trading times like it's very accessible content i have recordings out for everyone if you want to check the links in the um the podcast notes you can actually access the recorded training right now and take it and get all set up but um, once our monitors are trained learning the difference between mis and disinformation and how to respond and report it when they see it they're actually directed over to our Common Cause Action Team Slack channel, which um, shout out to Jenny for this description of it. She called it a democracy on demand center, which I find I beautiful. But yes, our, <laughs> it's amazing. But yeah, it's basically this huge um, channel. It has over 10,000 members in it right now. And um, this houses our text banking.
banking, our phone banking, and also my social media monitoring program. So um, basically, once you get in there and um, say, hey, you've signed up for a shift, then you're able to actually show up and I will give you a little rundown on Zoom. I'll say, hi friends, um, this is the disinformation that we're seeing. This is the state that we're actually targeting in. And here are the words that I want you to copy paste from this document into your search bar on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever social media platform you have, copy paste this word and it'll be words like voter fraud or um, stop the steal, things like that. So when you copy paste that into your search bar, it'll just pull up a whole world of disinformation, people saying and making all these claims and you'd be very surprised to see um, who is actually making these claims, this large account verified accounts, um, very well-known pop culture people, very well-known politicians in general. So um, once our monitors actually find content like this, um, they're able to report it to us. And so they report it to us using the tip line. And then um, my team at Stopping Cyber Suppression were actually able to get those tips bundle them up, categorize them, and actually take them to Twitter's doorstep, to Facebook's doorstep, and say, hey man, you gotta remove this. See, this cannot be online. This actually violates your own terms of services, and here's why it should be removed. And I will say we have had a moderate success rate with getting things removed like that, when um, the, actual, the actual goal of this is to keep putting pressure on these platforms to hold them accountable. Because um, if you really look at what we're doing at the Stopping Cyber Suppression, like we are doing social media platforms jobs for them totally. my monitors are coming in and dedicating their free time to doing content moderation basically content moderation that these platforms should already be doing um, but once we actually take it to the platforms they decide whether or not they're going to take it down or fact check it um, a very helpful thing that they will do sometimes is mark the post as misleading and make it to where people can't further um, comment or engage with it, just so that stops the spread of the disinformation a little bit. But uh, we do not just leave it there at all, because we do recognize that these platforms are often very slow to respond, if they respond at all. So we take it a step further. We actually go directly to people who need help and assistance. So um, people are always like tweeting like, oh my goodness, um, I don't know where my mail invalid is, or like this line is entirely too long to vote, or um, I don't even know what's going on at my polling location. And we're also looking for things like that in addition to disinformation. And when we find someone struggling, we're actually connecting them to help via the 866-R-VOTE hotline. We're on the end, other end of the hotline when they pick up the phone, it's actually a legal professional or somebody who understands voting rights who are able to connect them to the resources and help that they need. And then um, in addition to all of that, we actually share inoculation content, which is just like pro-voter, pro-democracy content. It's cute, it's flashy, it's like a gift sometimes. Sometimes it's just like a little picture, like go vote, here's the right information. Or um, our most popular one we're gonna be spamming tomorrow night is stay in line, Georgia. If you're in line to vote, you can vote. So um, just making sure that we're flooding the zone with that um, pro-democracy content, the facts about voting, the facts about where to get help, just so that people are a lot less likely to see the disinformation on their feeds. But that is just the general life cycle of what goes on at our program. No, this is awesome. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing, you know, 
I could imagine individuals who begin to you know recognize that there's disinformation that's being sent. And I, the number one question you'll always hear from people come start coming across is, well, okay, so I reported it to Twitter, and like. God knows what happened to it then, you know, I mean, because if you're just this kind of like random individual who's trying to do the right thing, you've got no clout, you've got no background, you don't even know whatever happens. And it seems to me is that by, you know, this is my word, I don't think you use it, but kind of like by bundling this stuff together, once they're, you know, people are listing this and be able to categorize it and to be able to go there with a chunk of information um, that's brought through all these different people to a platform and to have an organization that is actually pushing to kind of get that done. At the very least, like, I mean, like you said, like, let's be honest. I mean, you know, these folks, they don't want to respond to half this stuff. That's not their business model. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, if they know that you've got actually an organization with eyes on this. Right. Who's actually, you know, like you said, kind of grassroots to grass tops that does have legal teams. Right. That is able to kind of push um, push their buttons. Then the hope is, is that this helps increase that pressure along with all the, the other groups that you mentioned to start getting some kind of movement in these directions, because it's I mean, something's got to happen because, I mean, they're not going to do it on their own. We see what Elon Musk has just done with Twitter. Right. Which is now it's making it like pardon my words, but a shit show um, of what of possibility that's happening there when, look, these platforms have become part of the way that we do democracy in the 21st century. So it becomes so critical that this information is um, is is checked and the, the, the nonsense that's misleading people is just is taken off. So. Um, that's amazing. And I think that, you know, there's an example that I think you used in Jenny Stevens's article was that, you know, sometimes it's something simple. Sometimes you're not clear even if it's going to if it's misinformation or disinformation. Right. Somebody might just have the wrong time that polls close. <laughs> right. And just to check stuff like that, especially if there's, you know, I think about young folks that are getting involved or people that have not been politically connected, that have been kind of woken up in the wake of, you know, I mean, attacks on kind of women's body autonomy, like a bit of attacks on vote, on like voting rights, attacks on our democracy. And people are waking up to this stuff. And, you know, the voting system and everything is clunky. And it's not the kind of thing that people really know how to navigate. To have somebody that's going to give them simple content of like, hey, this is where you go. This is who you contact. And you can trust this stuff is so critical. Totally. And like, I want to echo your words, a shit show indeed. Because <laughs> um, like, honestly, um, I want to kind of go back to what you're saying about reporting things and not being sure that it's actually being done. The metaphor I like to use here is like when you get to the crosswalk and you press the button, is that button really doing it? <laughs> right. You don't totally. know if it's actually it's doing it or if it's just there for decoration, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's why we want to continue to put pressure on these platforms so that one, we know that when we press the button that it's actually doing something. But two, they're more a little they're more upfront about what process goes into this. Is someone there to review it? Um, in Twitter's case right now, no. But um, is someone there to review it? What is the penalty being taken against these accounts that continue to spread this disinformation? So um, yeah, definitely wanting to hold our social media platforms accountable. Yeah, no, we didn't we didn't talk a lot about this before the show a lot, but this this round this the midterm elections, um, what was that like? Just that experience. I mean, was there was it kind of like chock full of disinformation? Was that does it seem that there was um, any say good actors out there? I mean, what was that experience like trying to navigate through these midterms? Oh, yes. So I will say, actually, like on the to start this off on the brightest news, there were so many good actors. I will say on Election Day and leading up to Election Day, 
our election protection coalition, and then the coalitions that all of our partners from election protection are a part of, we're all like arm in arm posting inoculation content, posting inoculation messaging, and hosting these events, teaching people how to recognize online disinformation. And you could really see the results of that because I would go online every day and check out the hashtag our elections. That's where our inoculation content lives. I would go check it out and there would be posts from all these people in like different languages, like posting our inoculation content, translating it and taking it, tweaking it, making it fit their own community. So there were a ton of good actors out there on election day, a ton of people out there working to make sure that our voters were not suppressed because they saw the writing on the wall, right? We did get flooded with um, election misinformation, this midterm cycle. But um, it was really interesting in the way that it manifested. So of course, there's just the general disinformation of like, you know, vote by mail ballots, they're calling them a scam, they're calling them rigged, they're saying and stealing your vote. Um, we also saw people spreading posts that are distrustful of our poll workers. So yeah. a term that they would um, call use as ballot mules. So they're like stealing ballots, they're trafficking ballots. So we saw a lot of that, but something very um, alarming that we were also seeing was people getting so riled up and angry by these posts that they were actually organizing in-person action to fight. I'm, I'm using air quotes for everyone listening right now. Yeah. To, <laughs> fight, <laughs> to um, fight the um, rampant voter fraud that is going across our country, right? Um, number one, there is no rampant voter fraud. But number two, these people were using this disinformation as a recruiting tactic. And it was yes. actually recruiting folks who would be willing to go in person and do something like um, canvas their neighborhood or canvas not their neighborhood, but neighborhoods where people of color reside and interrogate them about how and why they're, are you registered to vote? Do you actually live here? Are you a dead voter, um, AKA voter intimidation? And we'll another, just go um, hang out in a par parking lot outside the yeah, place with an AK-47, right? I mean, exactly. like literally, I mean, they were doing that. Exactly. Just like camping out in parking lots, being suspicious, um, just filming people, just like just doing a lot of um, disruptive and even dangerous activities in the name of fighting this voter fraud that does not exist. And so um, that was really alarming to us and our election protection coalition to see that that's how the disinformation was escalating. People were not only just saying that there is widespread voter fraud, they're actually willing to go out and act on it. And there's actually um, a, quite a few instances of people were saying like, I'm gonna be a poll watcher just so that I can make sure that I'm there to personally stop fraud. And so um, what we really were seeing from the midterms and the disinformation surrounding it was just this atmosphere of distrust like you can't trust the poll workers you can't trust your secretary of state who actually comes up with your election rules um, you can't even trust usps to handle your mail-in ballot correctly these people were saying and um the the worst part about it was the distrust in your general neighbors because a lot right. of these polling locations you have to like live in the neighborhood to access them in a lot of states and so it was just people going i have my eye on you fellow neighbor fellow voter to see if you are trying to steal the vote 
And so, um, yeah, the, dis the mis and disinformation, just cultivating this atmosphere of distrust. And it also, I'm not gonna lie, it had a lot of us at Election Protection Coalition on guard, ready for the worst on election day, ready for some sort of um, political violence at the polls, because that is how the discourse was going. But I am very happy to say that um, we did not have any major incidents like that. However, um, again, back to the positive, we had so many people just ready with the um, messaging, with the support, with the um, what to do if something happens at the polls, like guidance that uh, we all felt very um, ready for if anything did happen. Well, that's awesome. I was surprised. You know, this is the first time I'm in the I'm in my lo local precinct. I was elected last year the the judge of elections, so I was like running that the poll place, and okay. this is the first. Yeah, and this is like the first time that we've had. I mean, there's always like poll watchers that that'll come in as kind of a matter of course, but this time with the Doug Mastriano campaign, uh, we had a guy like I grew up with like in the punk rock scene, right? So I mean, okay. I would have flagged this guy as like a, a skinhead. That that's I mean, he was in his black kind of quasi camo kind of yeah. stuff like this, shaved head. And he literally sat there the entire time. He wasn't disruptive, right? Um, and in part because, you know, the people who work this poll place, you know, I happen, I, I'm like at one of those polling places where everybody has been working there forever. Like I'm the newbie, right? You know, and they're, they're you know, Democrats, Republicans, you know, across the board, and they generally have a commitment to making sure people can vote, right? So I'm mean, just as kind of like, they're there because they they believe in like civil, like, you know, service. That's it, right? Totally. And so, you know, you know, at one point, you, just, you know, some of the other folks are saying, you know, you start feeling bad for this guy because he's like watching people actually like working with each other, making people's like access to the ballot easier. And he's got to sit there the whole day because he was like, just like, like got into this state where he thought we got to get there because there's going to be this fraud. Yeah. And then the second thing that happened is that this is the only thing that got me concerned is we, there was messages that started showing up um, both in social media, but it was in door hangers, like in Cumberland County and some other places that started showing up around here that said, they're trying to steal the election. Wait, polls are open, right? The, the, the dates are how late. Here's where the polls are open to and go as late as possible to the polls. Because if you go as late as possible to polls, that's to make sure that your vote's going to count. And I'm thinking like, I know what like the end of the night is like, and everyone's exhausted. And if you have a flood of people at the end of the night, and now lines that are stretching out, and now it's just it's it's ripe for these kind of you know, these disinfo kind of you know, <laughs> these disinfo folks to go out and say, see this example, they're trying to prevent them from voting, right? Yeah, it's like you, they were constructing the narrative ahead of time, and that was the thing that got me concerned. And it, when you just said you saw people actually using this to uh, recruit. That's exactly what kind of went through my mind is like, oh, this is a whole different animal now. Yes. And I want to kind of go back to what you said earlier about people like just spreading things online that they think are helpful because, yes, you have that person who is there to like, you know, find the fraud, but you also have those posts that are kind of worded in less assuming ways, less unassuming ways that are like, oh, to beat the cheat, uh, make sure that you go here. We need to overwhelm the system. We have to do our part to stop fraud. So you're really like appealing to people's desire to make sure that we have safe and secure yes. elections and saying that this is what you need to do because there is fraud, period. That's a fact. That's what that's just saying. They're just saying there's a like widespread fraud and this is what you have to do to beat it and so now you have all these people waiting in line this long line that they've created because they told all these people to come later and what we're noticing when 
instances like long lines or any kind of mundane technical error, like let's say a machine starts like going down a little bit and they have to come and bring a new one and it causes polling delays, or if there's a simply a paper ballot shortage like there was um, somewhere in Pennsylvania. Um, so they're actually weaponizing things like this and saying, this is your proof. This is your proof that they're in there sealing the vote. This wouldn't be happening if we didn't have rigged elections. Right. However, this is all stuff to actually just um, create, manufacture evidence of voter fraud where it isn't there. It's just mundane um, clerical errors, really. And also just people simply having to wait in line and um, recruiting a bunch of people to vote when there wasn't really the plan to be accommodating that many people. Right. And if you think of you think about it, if you like you step back out of the out of the kind of, you know, uh, this environment, it's like this is just stuff that happens in life. Right. Sometimes that there's like an error and you got to fix it. Sometimes that um, there's some confusion. So you've got to kind of check in to figure out what I mean, this is just kind of normal stuff that you would happen. And to weaponizing that kind of thing is, you know, it's a, it's a creating a crisis of fear all the time. Oh, yeah. So, so let me ask you this. So then so that was the midterms. We saw this. Now we've got, you know, the runoff in Georgia that's coming tomorrow. And you've already gave you know some shout outs to folks who are doing this social monitoring, uh, social media monitoring work tonight. Um, mm-hmm. So they're basically doing that same kind of stuff. I mean, um, what's that situation? Have you been hearing what's been happening kind of um, in the Georgia situation? Do we see the same kind of pattern? of misinformation or is that lessened a little bit since we're past the midterms? It's a lot lessened. You know what I will say is actually very interesting. Um, Since we are a like nationwide monitoring organization, we're kind of keeping tabs on all states, but focusing in specifically on Georgia just for this little bit, we're actually still seeing uh, Arizona as the epicenter of disinformation. Yes, we're still seeing like all these claims of rigged voting come out of Arizona. And mostly what we're seeing out of Georgia is just long lines and uh, people trying to make sure that they have the correct information because they have such a truncated deadline. Like they really had three weeks to prepare on how they were going to vote. And so if you're going to vote by mail, it's really like one week to prepare. So um, yeah, we're really just seeing right now a lot of voter concern and questions that we're answering and making sure that people are connected to the hotline. But yeah, the real the real gritty disinformation is still coming out of Arizona, talking about um, rigged voting machines, believing that the elections are uh, the election machines are stealing their votes or switching them. Um, also saying that um, the paper ballots are just being used to cheat, just like different different little um, conspiracy theories surrounding Arizona to cast doubt on our election processes in total. But um, the thing that is great to see about Georgia, though, is, again, we have all of these people just rooting for Georgia nationwide, making sure that they are reporting that disinformation and sharing those cute little corny um, stay in line gifts to be shared far and wide. So that's really all the action we're seeing out of Georgia right now. Well, good. And then we're going to find out, like, you know, this is probably the last one we're going to see for a bit. Um, I will know the results, obviously. Well, we'll know results this week, at least. Uh, we'll have an totally. indication at least tomorrow night uh, once polls close where things go. So we shall see. So set us up then. So then, OK, you got these. We went through the midterms. Obviously, we you know, we got this runoff in Georgia now. And then you've got a presidential election that's going to be. Well, you know, we got these kind of smaller municipal elections that are happening kind of in 2023. Then you've got presidential election um, in 2024. 
But what happens to this program that you got going once we get through this round of elections? I mean, now that, you know, you know, I suspect that you're not just kind of like, you know, closing up shop and saying, okay, misinformation is no longer there. What happens next? Definitely. Absolutely not closing up shop, but kind, <laughs> but kind of a little bit. Our stopping cyber suppression program is going to close. That's not to say we're not monitoring. I'm just going to transition all of my monitors over to the Civic Listening Corps, which are, is our partner monitoring organization. Um, but yeah, our next focus is these legislature sessions, right? Because while, yes, disinformation is meant to confuse voters about the voting process, you know, make them a little bit more likely to make these mistakes or slip up while voting so that their votes can be thrown out or to try to prevent them in total from making it to the polls in general. Um, the real end game purpose of election disinformation is to manufacture support for voter suppression laws. So what they are about to do, you heard it here first. So when you hear this and see this happening, you say Raylan told you so. <laughs> um, what's going to happen is they're going to take all these stories and claims that they've been making up this whole time about rigged machines and like vote by mail. And they're going to say, look at all this fraud that happened and we need to pass more restrictive voting bills to make sure that they do not happen anymore. And these voting bills are going to directly disenfranchise voter, making it um, difficult to register, making the ID requirements more rigorous, and just all these other steps and barriers to voting that might make someone unable to actually cast their ballot. So um, our next step is really going to be to one, kind of chronicle all the work that we've been doing here. Because if you think about it, we have actually created a very good solid archive and snapshot of what every major election moment has looked like up to this point for this year. So we know exactly what was happening on election day because we were looking at it. We know exactly what was going on in Arizona because we were focused in on it. So um, we're going to take that as evidence and proof to say, look, they tried to lie back here. Um, this did not actually happen. This is not a legitimate reason to pass more restrictive voter bills. So we're just going to keep an eye on that conversation from our bad actors and see what they're going to say happened that didn't actually happen and what reasons they're going to give for um, justifying suppressing the vote further. So um, yes, please do join us. Uh, this rodeo ain't over yet. <laughs> so we're going to be monitoring um, all of our known bad actors and just social media in general to keep an eye on that conversation and to make sure that we're protecting our online communities from these claims because again, they a lot of them really do target well-meaning people. Because I don't think any of us like the idea of somebody's vote being stolen. I don't think right. any of us like the idea of like, oh, my vote doesn't count because there's rigging. And so it really weaponizes that want to have free and fair elections and tries to say, well, if we put this one more barrier in place, maybe it'll be a little bit safer. Maybe this will stop the fraud that doesn't exist. So um, we just have to make sure to put out that good pro-voter, pro-democracy content, telling an accurate story about what happened on our election days, and um, also just reporting that disinformation where we see it and where we can. And I guess the last thing, cherry on top, holding these social media platforms accountable. Yes. Just because Elon wants to have a shit show on Twitter <laughs> doesn't mean that we should all just be subject to these election lies that anyone is just um, like, and it's not even like it's targeting people who are like unaware, like anyone. These are very sophisticated and crafted lies, a lot of them. So um, we should be free from that when we go on social media. 
100%. Let me ask you this, um, too, as well as like, you know, I, a lot of the stuff that you're talking about that that we've talked about on this show, kind of like historically that um, uh, folks that are pointing to this kind of not just the kind of the, like the random person giving disinformation, right? You know, the, the stereotypical person with the tinfoil hat or something like that on the corner, but these really sophisticated um, patterns of, you know, it's, I mean, I, I look at it as a power grab, right? It's an, it's, it's about being able to control and kind of to pick the electorate as opposed to the electorate picking the representatives. It's about being able to kind of a very small set of interest of people that are very, very powerful and having a bunch of bad actors that are very sophisticated in manipulating people. But, you know, sometimes for the longest time you say those words to people and they like, like, Oh, we've got a conspiracy theory over here. Given the, given the, what we've, what's been happening and that the kind of more public attention that's getting paid to um, this stuff, are you finding that people are more receptive to hearing that, like about the need to actually pay attention to disinformation? Or do you still get a little bit of the, the kind of like, uh, you know, you're sounding like uh, you're trying to manipulate me with a conspiracy theory? No, and like that's very valid. And before I started this work, I was like very worried about it. I was like, oh no, I do sound like I have a tinfoil hat on right now. I'm like talking like about dark money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about secret money and like secret schemes to like manipulate us. But I will say I have not had that reaction yet. Every single monitor, every single person who I've come into contact with through this program said, I've seen it. I've seen this disinformation be spread. I watched 2020. I watched the insurrection happen. I watched what led up yep. to that. Um, I actually have a family member who like I love dearly who just started saying all of this stuff. And I know that they're watching these streamers. I need to learn how to fight back against it and protect them from it. So um, definitely, definitely not feeling like I'm peddling conspiracy, which has been super, super validating. And um, even even my volunteers who show up and they're like, I have not personally ever seen this, but if this is true, it's a problem. And I think this thing that we sometimes forget about is online, we exist in little echo chambers. Um, right. Our online looks very similar to our friends online. However, however, there are a lot of echo chambers. And so this experience for many is just stepping outside of their online bubble and seeing, oh goodness, they don't post about this in my little blue state, but here in Arizona they are, or like here in Florida, this is what they're talking about. So um, yeah, I say to anyone who feels like I'm wearing the tinfoil hat, come and see for yourself. Yeah, and I think that's the power right there is like, well, look, I'm not asking you to just believe me on faith here. Let's do it yourself. Yeah, right? And I, yeah. That's why I love these trainings. And like I said, you know, we've got links in the uh, show notes tonight to go on and, get, you know, check out these trainings, check out the pack. You could sign up for them um, and just learning for what to look for and then become part of the solution, I think is like so much a, a, a part of what we can do. And I, you know, and the perspective that I always come from is like, you know, it's about empowering people to local level and building from the ground up, you know, building from, you know, a sense of community-based power that we're kind of in control over our own destinies. I mean, it's like something as simple as that, right? Um, but it's, you know, getting these kind of tools. So let me, you know, you mentioned this before we got on the show and I think this is awesome. So, I mean, we just got through uh, Thanksgiving, right? So we just got through the, you know, the holiday, which is known to be like, you know, Uncle George is like going crazy again over there, right? You know, whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, this is, I mean, I think it's a real concern for a lot of, uh, for a lot of folks, especially, 
you kind of mentioned you have like a family member or something like this who just ends up going down these conspiracy holes or is kind of not even just like the whole conspiracy hole, but even is just, you know, inundated with some of this misinformation. And, you know, I understand that people don't want to go home and have knockdown drag out fights with their family. Right. Especially during the holidays and stuff. Um, but you mentioned before we got on today, and I think this is so cool, is that. You actually have a kind of a, a program coming up, right, <laughs> which is about how to do this, right? How to actually go home from the holidays and kind of not end up kind of like, you know, disowned from everybody in your community, right? Totally, yes. That's our um, Talking to Our Friends and Family training series, which is coming up, which um, actually some background. I used to do this at Made to Save, the um, COVID disinformation organization I oh, used that's to work great. at. So um, what we learned from these trainings is that um, people are so much more likely to listen to their friend or family member who they know loves and trusts them and like generally wants the best for them when they're talking about issues like this that are a little bit more inflammatory you remember how inflammatory the vaccine conversation was perhaps just as inflammatory as like the voter fraud conversation and the disinformation conversation so we've learned that leveraging those real life personal connections with your friends and family is how we actually stop the spread of this disinformation it's really having that um conversation with your uncle joe who's going on that rant about oh goodness i i bet you do feel very upset that there's voter fraud wouldn't you feel like very deceived if someone told you this was the case when it wouldn't like just having that genuine conversation and letting them know like well if you want to know if something's real or fake this is where you go and you actually point them to a trusted source like pull it a fact fact check if you want to look at anything like that but um yeah our training series is actually going to arm you with the tips and skills for how to navigate these conversations um trust me when i say they are actually meant to be as non-inflammatory as possible and i teach you how to kind of avoid ruining family dinner for your holidays <laughs> so um please yes tune in for those at the end of this month to learn how to talk to your friends and family about election disinformation that's fantastic well uh Raylan, this is i'm so like thrilled you have on and before before i let you go um uh, are there other things that you want to kind of shout out for folks um other places where they can go um to get more information like i said we got a bunch of links in tonight's show notes but um what, what can people do if they want to get started or pay, or learn more about this work? Yes, absolutely. Number one, please go check out that amazing article that Jenny wrote about my program. And um, if you want to stick around after that, go ahead and click on that link for my training. It's completely self-paced, completely self-guided. And you just take a little quick quiz and then you're in. You're able to sign up for a shift. So um, you'll find that link as well. And even if you're not going to be able to join us as a monitor, I want to leave you with just a couple of tips for knowing whether or not something is real or fake. Here are some of my main red flags when I'm actually monitoring myself to figure out if something is true or if it's a liar, liar, pants on fire situation. (laughs) Um, Number one, check out whether or not that post is like using all caps. It's trying to make you angry. It's trying to make you sad because we know that disinformation, it makes you, it tries to get you to abandon thought and lean into emotion so that you're less likely to think, is this true or not, before you start clicking on things. 
And that's thing number two. Um, if they're asking you to click or donate or um, take some form of action, know that this is manipulatory in general. And I say this even for like organizations like us at Common Cause, like if any organization that asks you to click on something, there is a motive and you have to check out what that motive is. So look into the organization, who funds them and what's going on there. And then um, lastly, if you see um, verified accounts talking about things like voter fraud, just know that um, Voter fraud has been one of the most lucrative topics. I think the tally was Trump got somewhere near $111 million within just three months of fundraising off of widespread voter fraud. So our bad actors know that this will get them money. So um, check out if they're trying to get you to click on a live stream or donate to something, or if they're promoting a book, that is usually gonna be your red flag. And as a political science, graduate and at this point um election news if it is riling you up take with a grain of salt it is usually pretty boring so um that is a really good litmus test to know if it's true or fake and if you encounter anything like that just head on over to reportdisinfo.org that is reportsdisinfo.org and send us a screenshot send us a screenshot and a link to that content and we will do our best at stopping cyber suppression to get it removed, fact-checked, or at the very least, flood your social media feed with pro-voter, pro-democracy content that is meant to fight that claim. 100%. Well, uh, that's fantastic. I want to reiterate that again. The link is in tonight's show notes. Uh, that's the public disinformation tip line. That's reportdisinfo.org uh, when you see this. Uh, Raylan Roberson, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, you know, I hope as your work continues and stuff, we can have you back on. Um, I'd love to get kind of reports um, because as you kind of are, you know, uh, expanding this program because I know that you're going to, and uh, I hope that there's folks in this community and our listening audience too as well will consider taking up some of these uh, these trainings and actually kind of joining and help the um, you know stop the suppression. Uh, thank you so much for joining tonight, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much right, for having just... me, and thank you so much to all of my monitors. You are the best, and you are everything that makes this program run. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Uh, shout out to everybody who's kind of listening live tonight um, and everybody who will be listening afterwards. Uh, I want to remind you that you can help support the show by heading on over to patreon.com slash RC Press. You can become a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Uh, we got some uh, I got some multiple applause here uh, um, that are kind of showing up here uh, for a great, excellent presentation. Great having you on. Fantastic learning about this stuff. Um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And please spread the word. One little small step that you can have is share out this content um, with the folks and let them know uh, why you want to share this content and help them get connected up with some of these trainings too as well. Uh, thank you so much and we'll be talking to you soon. This is Kevin Mahoney, creator and founder of Raging Chicken. Whew, it's been a week. I'm glad to be back in this seat again. No flu, fingers crossed. End of the semester is on its way. We'll see you on the flip side, everybody. See ya! Thank you awesome. so much for having me. That was great. You rock. You rock. This is, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're the person that's doing this too as well. I mean, I think you, I mean, 
people just like Jenny said, I mean, I think you, you do this awesome. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And just to see people jumping on and being like, you know, oh man, I want to learn more. That's just, that's, that's my goal. Um, so thank you for oh, doing I'm this. I'm so work. glad so. to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, cool. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, anything, anything that I'll, what I'll do is I will send you, um, I will, uh, send you both links to the, um, to, oh, here, let me go ahead and stop this recording to make sure we get to hear.